You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960, the fan. All right, kicking off hour two here on Sportsnet Today. Turn to live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. For our friends at Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Cracked Foundation, Boeing Foundation, Walls, they have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems for all things basement. Even DLBasementSystems.com. Lots of football to get to this hour. Coming up in a bit, we'll check in with Matt uh, Rose from the big show with Ruskin Rose. Get you set for the Stampeders and the Rough Riders tonight from McMahon Stadium. But we're kicking off the hour going down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline. Take a look back at Thursday night football and ahead to another Sunday slate in the NFL. It's our Friday regular chat with Matt Marchese, host of the Fan Checkdown, every day here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. What's up, Matty? How are you, pal? I'm good. We missed you last week. We had uh, dueling mustaches between myself and Peter Klein last week. So <laughs> glad to chat with you. Glad to uh, to have you back, man. Appreciate it. Uh, Thursday night kicked off with I don't know, man. I'm always. I don't like to get too down on the Thursday nighters. I still like watching them. I'm going to watch it regardless if it's good or bad. I thought maybe the Chiefs and Broncos divisional game could have been okay, but it was another Thursday night disappointment. I mean, if you're betting, at least you, you covered the 10 and a half, but there wasn't much going on between the Chiefs and the Broncos last night. No, there wasn't. And I was saying this to Donovan, like, you know, we're like kids on Christmas more uh, on Christmas Eve. We get so excited for Thursday night football, and then it's a letdown because we didn't get the gift that we really thought that we were going to get. And we are disappointed every single week, and we're suckers because we keep coming back to like, but this week will be different. The Chiefs are going to put up 50 points against the Broncos because they stink, and oh my goodness, Patrick Mahomes is going to set records. And, and then it was a dud. Um, I mean, I don't even know what to say about the Denver Broncos at this point other than they're just a complete horror show. Um, it's actually worse now than it was last year with Nathaniel Hackett. And from the Chiefs' perspective, well, well, they've been incredibly unimpressive this year. Their offense isn't playing like we maybe expected. They're doing really weird things on third and short and fourth and short and taking the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands and not running Isaiah Pacheco and not throwing to Travis Kelsey. Like, all this weirdness is happening, and yet – Five and one, their defense is playing really good, but they've had a super soft schedule to start the year. I mean, outside of Detroit, I don't really see any contenders in there. Like, I guess it depends on what you think of Jacksonville, but in reality, the Chiefs have been super unimpressive, and I'm really curious to see what happens when they have to play offenses that can really put up points, and we'll see if their offense can keep up. Yeah, I was interested in that as well, Matty. I, uh, the red zone struggles were something that I'm just not used to seeing from this Chiefs team, and especially against Denver. I know, like I said at the beginning, divisional games, you see each other a lot, but that Denver defense was last in a lot of categories going into last night, and the Chiefs, whether it was, like you said, making weird decisions or just having some inability to find open receivers – uh, just looked like they weren't able to finish off drives. And, and that's going to be a big thing when you get to, like you said, teams that they're going to have to put up points against. That's got to be a bit of a worry right now for that group. For sure. And when you look at their next 11 games, so the 11 games to finish off the season, they play the Chargers twice. They play the Bengals. They play the Bills. 
Like, th- there's there's teams in there that are good offenses that you're going to have to contend with, and it's going to be very interesting to see how they can try and keep up with their points. This is not taking anything away from the defense because Steve Spagnuolo with that defense has done a really good job because we don't talk about the Chiefs' defense. It's always been, you know, the Chiefs' offense, and yes, their defense can make timely plays, but, you know, it's the offense that really carries the day for them the majority of the time. It's been their defense that's really done the job for them to this point, and I don't know if it's going to be able to, to keep up. The one good team, like really good team that they played is the Detroit Lions, and they lost that in week one. So the Chiefs are going to be a very interesting case study the rest of the year. Yeah, sign me up in a couple of weeks when this team's got Miami and Philly back-to-back, and I'm going to be really curious how we look at this team coming out of those two games uh, coming up in a few weeks. On the Denver side of things, you mentioned it, man. Look, if I'm Sean Payton right now, I am radio silent to the media because some of the things that have come out of this guy's mouth about Nathaniel Hackett and the job that was done previously, I mean, look, I don't think anyone had to be told things didn't go well in Denver last year, but, man, if you're going to say that kind of stuff, you better put up a better performance than he has as this team's head coach. This feels like a, a burn it to the ground and start over situation right now with the Denver Broncos. Yeah, when you're paying your quarterback $240 million and your coach $85 million over the course of the next five years. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, easy, easy for us to say, but it's really, really good that the Walmart family has a lot of money because they're going to be burning cash like it's nobody's business paying these guys. Sean Payton was supposed to be this brilliant offensive mind and Russell Wilson threw for under 100 yards for the first time since 2018 last night. And he he looks worse than he did game. last year, and he was terrible last year. Yeah, and it, it, it's just – the thing is, it's funny because I had the conversation about this earlier. We're really starting to see these old kind of archaic coaches that are so set in their ways that the game is maybe passing them by a little bit. And it's, you know, my way or the highway thing doesn't really – play well and you almost have to realize like if you're if you think you're the smartest guy in the room then you probably have an issue you can say that about bill belichick you can maybe say that about even mike tallman although his team is three and two and they're leading the division uh, whatever we want to make of the afc north but those guys are all kind of like it's my way or the highway this is working pittsburgh still has They have issues on offense with Matt Canada as their offensive coordinator, but they keep promoting him somehow. Belichick and the Patriots are are god-awful, and they're not getting anything done, and it could be even more rock bottom if they lose to Josh McDaniel. I think we lost Matty there. We'll, uh, We'll effort to reconnect with our pal Matt Marchese. Uh, host of the Fan Check Down with Donovan Bennett. You hear him Monday to Friday here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan, we're getting you set for week six of the NFL season. It kicked off last night with the Chiefs downing the Broncos 19-8. to Sunday slate, it's another early one. They're back out in London with the Ravens and the Titans, so it's an early start. Make sure you get your fantasy lineup set. Uh, your primetime games this week, Giants-Bills uh, for Sunday night, and then the Cowboys and the Chargers on Monday. We got you back there, Matty. Yeah, you do. I don't know what happened. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm in the sticks a little bit here where I have to travel to to get home, but 
I mean, I've done this route before. So, anyway, uh, I don't know where you lost me, but Sean Payton and Bill Belichick are dinosaurs. That's what I was getting at. Yeah, it's hard to hard to argue. I was I was even chatting with PK yesterday. I said, the Sean Payton thing kind of feels similar to, to John Gruden in the sense of, you know, I don't know that we gave the, the team that they had enough credit. John Gruden had this great defense in Tampa Bay, and now it kind of feels like with Sean Payton we're sort of undervaluing just how important Drew Brees was to that side of the equation. 100%. And, and it's the same conversation about, you know, Bill Belichick and, and the Tom Brady impact yeah. and, and maybe even to more of an extent, you know, the Dante Scarnecchia offensive line coaching uh, job that he did for the Patriots as well. Um, I, I, I actually, the John Gruden thing was the first thing that came to mind, overpaying a coach because of his name and what he had accomplished so many years ago. Um, I mean, listen, I can't wait for the sequel of Home Team with Kevin James playing Sean Payton again, <laughs> where he's going, you know, maybe one win on an NFL sideline. I can't wait. That's going to be one to watch for sure. Uh, Matt, let's get into the Sunday slate of games. You mentioned a term earlier that I think we can use again. Uh, talking about the Broncos and, and burning through some money. Kind of feels that way if you're the Cleveland Browns with the Deshaun Watson situation right now. Uh, he's been ruled out of Sunday's matchup against the 49ers. He's dealing with what they're calling a rotator cuff contusion. Um, he's been considered day-to-day, but hasn't been on practice uh, at practice for a, a number of weeks now, including a bye week. He had this injury going back to week three against the Titans. Uh, the Browns fancy themselves contenders when healthy, but I got a really bad feeling about what's coming their way on Sunday with no Deshaun Watson and the 49ers coming to town. Can we call it a, a motivator cup issue instead? Yeah. Uh, he's got all this money guaranteed. He's not going to rush himself back. He hasn't played that well. I mean, the Cleveland Browns, they should be condemned for giving Deshaun Watson all that money for multiple reasons. Uh, one would be the, the morality clause, which they clearly did not have. Um, that would be one. But the other thing was, Sean Watson hadn't played football in a long time. And at the beginning of, the, well, I mean, his tenure in Cleveland where he was actually playing games when he took over from Jacoby Brissett last year, First of all, Jacoby Brissett did a much better job than Deshaun Watson did. But also, we can't say, well, Deshaun Watson hasn't played in a while. Because Deshaun Watson has been playing, and he hasn't been playing well. And now he's hurt. Um, I look at the situation in Cleveland and say their defense is, I believe, good enough. But offensively, they can't get anything accomplished. Um, uh, Thompson Robinson, DTR last week, or the week before, sorry, looked like a deer in the headlights, and that wasn't pretty. And now they're talking about starting P.J. Walker, which that looks like it's going to be the case. And we've seen P.J. Walker in the NFL. It's not great. So where do they go from here? Like, if Deshaun Watson is out for a significant period of time and this issue just keeps lingering and they decide, you know what, we're going to IR him, if they believe that their defense is good enough, do they maybe make a call to the – I don't know, Minnesota Vikings for Kirk Cousins because he had a lot of success with Kevin Stefanski when he was the offensive coordinator in Minnesota. Maybe that's something of intrigue. But outside of that, I don't know how you do anything else with that lingering, fully guaranteed, I repeat, fully guaranteed deal that Deshaun Watson has. 
I think the Browns are in a world of trouble here because we know your defense can carry you to certain points, but your offense is going to have to do something because the game is tailored to good offenses are going to help you win championships. And if they don't get Deshaun Watson back or even any semblance of what we saw Deshaun Watson being what he was in Houston, then the Browns are going absolutely nowhere. Uh, speaking of Kirk Cousins and the Bears, uh, they're coming up uh, they're the next opponent for Kirk Cousins this weekend, both teams at one and four. I'm curious, Matt, we've talked so much about teams needing a veteran quarterback and Kirk Cousins presence out there. I just wonder, we know the trade deadline's coming up on the 31st uh, of this month. I wonder if a loss to the Bears could be that final push that the Vikings need to to hit the reset button on this season and finally move away from Kirk Cousins. Because we know there's no Justin Jefferson, but most teams that we know start at one and four. Playoffs are a long shot. I just wonder if a, a loss like that could be the final nail in the coffin to move on from this season for Minnesota. Well, you've got to figure it'll be a divisional loss. Uh, the Bears are playing better uh, despite a loss to the Broncos, uh, not last week, but the previous week. Yeah, that would pre- that would be pretty close to, to rock bottom for them. And with no Justin Jefferson there, listen, they, they had trouble running the ball for, the, uh, for a large portion of this season. It's gotten better of late. But that's going to become so much harder now because teams don't have to double up on Justin Jefferson. They don't have to give extra attention to him. So then that becomes, you know, a lot harder on not only Kirk Cousins, but the running game, which at least if you have a running game, you can open up the passing game. I can't, I can't envision a scenario where the, the Vikings changed my opinion on them. They're not going to make the playoffs. Justin Jefferson is not going to be rushed back because there's a bigger picture here with Justin Jefferson than just this season. He's going to get a big payday. He's not going to push himself to come back if the team is, you know, they're one in, they're one in four right now. If they're one in five or one in six, he's not pushing himself to come back. So in my opinion, it would be business malpractice if you do not trade Kirk Cousins and get an asset back for him because there are teams out there that will pay for Kirk Cousins at this point. The New York Jets, if they – if they lose this week, which they're probably going to against the Eagles, you have to think that they're going to make a call because they think that they're good enough to make the playoffs because the AFC has good teams, but it's still very wide open. You have to think that the Cleveland Browns may be a team that would make a call. So I, I say if you do not do that and you do not at least put him out there in the market, then you have vastly, first of all, over-evaluated what you are, and secondly – done yourself a disservice by not putting him out there to try and recoup some assets for him because I don't I don't see a scenario where the Vikings are not in the Caleb Williams conversation at worst they're in the Drake May conversation and there is a future beyond this year for guys like Caleb Williams and like Drake May which there may not be for Kirk Cousins. I fully anticipate that Kirk Cousins is looking for a new home in the offseason if it's not via trade this year. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, to, to sort of just build off of that, Maddie. If you're the Vikings, I know Kirk Cousins has been a good soldier for you. You've, you've tried it. It's never amounted to any sort of significant wins for your franchise. And look, we talked about Caleb Evans and, you know, this sort of, or these, you know, the, for these young quarterbacks even coming into, Okay, Williams coming into these new situations and saying, look, if there's not a good situation, I don't feel like there's a lot of talent around me. I don't know that I'm going to stick around to, to go first overall to a bad team. 
if you're Minnesota and you can sell to them coming to an organization that's got Jordan Addison and Justin Jefferson ready to throw to, I think that's a much easier sell than if you're a team like Arizona at this point. It is, and you know Jefferson, Addison, Hawkinson, maybe yep. they draft the running back uh, to join that offense. Plus, and this is the biggest key, new stadium, dome stadium, these are all big benefits for quarterbacks. These are things that they like, especially the dome. Uh, Caleb Williams plays at USC. I mean, playing in Minnesota outside, yeah, probably not ideal. But playing in a dome, I think I could get used to that. So it's a much easier sell because at least the organization is functional. You know, we've already had the conversations about the, the Arizona Cardinals and how much of a tire fire they are and what, they, what they've dealt with with Kyler Murray and is he going to be back, is he not going to be back. There's just too many things, too much noise around that situation. Whereas in Minnesota, it's like, we have the good guy in Kirk Cousins, the, the, the dad who shops at Target, the everyman's quarterback, all of those good things. Now you can move on from Kirk Cousins with a, a ready-made offense. Kevin O'Connell's a smart offensive guy. That's why he was brought in. So to have that already there in place where you can install a quarterback who has incredible upside, whether it's Caleb Williams or it's Drake May, these are all good things. So I can't see how the Vikings look at their situation and go, you know what, we're going to try and push this. We Maybe we'll bring Kirk back. Because what's that going to cost you? Kirk Cousins is going to make over $40 million, probably close to 50 based on his on what he's done statistically. Because as we know, Daniel Jones got paid $40-plus million. So did Russell Wilson. So at least they can move on, have a quarterback on a rookie deal, and then really make some hay, bring in some free agents on defense. You could really build a nice program in Minnesota. It's a, a tough one for the Colts uh, last week, losing Anthony Richardson. He's at the IR. He's going to be out for a couple of weeks, but they can't wait uh, around for a savior. They've got a big game coming up against the Jags as they battle for the top of that division. Is Gardner Minshew, in your mind, good enough to keep the Colts in this race in their division? Well, he certainly got the mustache for it. You know me. I appreciate a good mustache. Here's, here, they, brought, they brought Gardner Minshew in because they knew he was a, a, a solid backup. They also they, There's enough of a track record there that he could come in and play some games. Here's the thing. We're asking the question, is he good enough? He's played almost as much as Anthony Richardson has this year. Anthony Richardson played in four games, and he didn't finish three of them. Gardner Minshew had to come in at certain points of the game. And this team is three and two. Did I think they were going to be there? No. But we have, we're having the conversation of, are they in the conversation to win that division? And I would say, yes, the running game, even though they did not have Jonathan Taylor, has been great. Uh, Zach Moss is really good. Zach Moss was really good again this past week. They're going to work Jonathan Taylor back in. They've got good receivers. There is, there is a recipe for success here for the Indianapolis Colts. They, they can run the ball effectively. They don't have to put the game in Gardner Minshew's hands all the time. And to me, that's something that you can build on here. So I, I'm not going to count them out because I did at the beginning of the year, and Anthony Richardson was – part of the reason for that because there was going to be some growing pains but Gardner Minshew has come in and he certainly hasn't looked out of place he's not cost them games and they have some big wins so depends on what you think of the Jags they they maybe got their act together in London did they bring that in the suitcase with them I'm not sure 
but we're certainly going to find out. I, I think that's, that was one of my games to watch this week uh, earlier on the show. I, I'm really curious to see how that one plays out. I, I, I know that the, the Colts have not had a lot of success against the Jags over the course of the last, I think it's eight years or something like that. It's really ridiculous, the lack of success that they've had. But here's what I'll say. Any given Sunday, I think the Colts got a really good shot to win this game outright. What else is on your uh, must-watch on the Sunday slate? It's an interesting week. There's a couple of really intriguing games. There's some that, you know, I don't think Panthers-Dolphins is at the top of anybody's list. But what does catch your eye aside from Colts-Jags, Matty? I think it's Patriots-Raiders. We're going to learn something about either of these teams. And, I mean, both of them I don't think are very good, so that's a start. Uh, I don't think we need to learn that. But I think what we will learn is what kind of direction these teams do go after that. Um, do the do the Patriots decide, you know what, this thing, yeah, we're going to blow it up. Uh, do they decide, uh, you know, maybe we're going to trade some key pieces and or, or maybe we're just going to kind of stay the course. And the same thing can be said for the Raiders because if the Raiders lose to the Patriots, that's rock bottom there. But they also could say, you know what, we're not good enough. Josh Jacobs, your name is on the list. Devontae Adams, your name is on the list. Hey, Jimmy Garoppolo, your name is on the list because we don't want to keep you around. This isn't going the way we planned, and then we can kind of move on from there. They could get a bounty for Devontae Adams if they really so chose. Uh, they could probably get a pretty nice package for Josh Jacobs. The question is, do they believe that they're good enough? They have a really soft schedule going forward here, and it starts with the Patriots. But if they lose this one, and this one's at home, Bill Belichick has not had success against assistant coaches over the course of the last 11 games. He's 3-8 and eight against former assistants. Whoever loses here, it's rock bottom for both organizations, and they're going to have to do some soul searching. Maddie, always appreciate the time, pal. Great stuff as always. Enjoy the Sunday slate and the Monday nighter. We'll check in again next week, pal. Sounds good, buddy. Enjoy the weekend. Have fun. Take care. Matt Marchese joining us down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar. Guest hotline. He co-hosts the Fan Checkdown with our pal Donovan Bennett. You hear it here on Sportsnet 960 every Monday to Friday as they get you up to date with the latest NFL news. And, yes, Thursday nighter in the books. KC takes down the Denver Broncos. Another early start as the NFL excuse me, uh, International Series continues out in London. You got the Ravens and the Titans where a 7.30 mountain kickoff on Sunday. Your Sunday nighter is the 1-4 Giants taking on the 3-2 Bills. It all ends off on Monday night. It's the Dallas Cowboys at 3-2 and two into L.A. at SoFi Stadium taking on the 2-2 two and two L.A. Chargers. We'll take a break. Come back on the other side. Go from NFL football to CFL football. It's a massive night at McMahon Stadium for the Calgary Stampeders. They take on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. We'll get you set with everything you need to know ahead of tonight's matchup with our pal Matt Rose. He's next on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. CFL Week 19 kicks off... Friday night in Hamilton, the BC Lions taking on the Hamilton Tiger Cats and what's actually Bo Levi Mitchell's first start at home since becoming a member of the Hamilton Tiger Cats. So that'll get you going earlier on Friday. And then at 7.30 from McMahon Stadium, just like the CFL schedule makers planned it, it's the Riders and the Stamps with massive playoff implications at hand. Probably just didn't predict the fact that the Riders would be 6-10 and 10 and the Stamps would be 4-11. and 11. 
and those playoff implications still mattering. But here we are nonetheless. The Riders paying a visit to Calgary looking to lock down their position in the playoffs. A win puts them three games ahead of Calgary with two weeks remaining, which would therefore secure their spot in the postseason. A Stamps victory earns them the edge in the season series and keeps their slim playoff hopes alive. Let's check in on the Calgary Stampeders ahead of a massive game against the Riders to do so. Very happy to welcome in from the big show with Russick and Rose. It's our pal, Matty Rose. What's up, Matty? How are you? I'm on mute. Sorry. Hey, brother. Sorry, I was on mute. I'm good. I'm here. What's up? First time doing this? Yeah, I'm new. <laughs> How are you, dude? I'm good. I have no complaints. <laughs> Weekend's here. Uh, myself. This yeah. is great. Life's good. You're the best. Uh, you're going to be at McMahon tonight for a good one. Uh, like I said, coming in, I I didn't expect a four-win team and a six-win team to have a lot on the line, but here we are. This is a, a massive game. We were at the Flames home opener two, uh, a couple days ago. We were sitting in the press box. We looked at each other and go, this this means something on Friday. I didn't expect it to, but here we go. A huge game, exactly like you said, right? And that's one of the things that I think you, you want to see late in season. You want divisional games to meet a lot. And if you're the Stampeders, you come back from your bye week, being around the team a little bit this week, the vibes seem to be pretty high. Um, obviously, they're going to be missing a couple of key pieces going into the game. But Saskatchewan has left this door wide open for you. And now you get an opportunity to make something of it. And I think that's the way they're approaching it. And, and as a result, huge game here Friday night at McMahon Stadium, which is always good to see. And uh, it really wouldn't be another Stampeders contest, Matt, if we didn't talk about some key pieces who won't be out there for the Calgary Stampeders. We have to start with, of course, the absence uh, of Reggie Bagleton. That's just a a very key piece this season that Jake Mayer's gone to in a lot of key situations uh, who won't be out there tonight for the Stamps. It's the biggest loss. He's fifth in the CFL in receiving yards. He's got another 1,000-yard receiving season under his belt. He's been their most productive, their most consistent, their best receiver since he came back from the CFL and obviously not going to be available for them today. They're also going to be without Tommy Lee Lewis uh, for the birth birth of a child. So, yeah, they're down a couple of parts. Uh, that's when you start looking down the line, down the practice roster list here. You know, not a whole lot of help coming off the injury list, but it's going to be fun to watch, uh, even without Begleton, because they do have Kadeem Carey. Peyton Logan is back from the injured list, and we're going to have to see how those couple of guys can kind of battle it out here and uh, get some get the, get the run game going and try and win this game for the Stamps. Who steps up the most in your mind, or who needs to step up the most in your mind with Begleton out? Um, it's probably got it. It's hard to say because this is a lineup that doesn't have anybody who can replicate what Reggie Bagleton does. They've got a whole bunch of guys that can do different things, but nobody's going to be able to replicate them. Mark and Michelle on the outside is going to have to be a dangerous as always. Um, he'll probably get a lot of action on the middle here today too, just because they are so short guys. Trailums Dukes has a huge opportunity. You know, he had it to start the season, but he kind of lost a job. Um, so I'm going to be interested to see if he can hold up. Luther Kunapanu has had an up-and-down season. You look at Cole Tucker, who's been hurt. Like, this is the receiving group. I don't know if I look at one of them and say this is the guy that's going to step up, but they need somebody too. And three weeks left in the season, you're not only playing for your playoff lives, you're playing for your CFL lives and, and what's going to happen next in your career too. So that's uh, – 
that's what we're looking at for the receivers tonight. How big is it going to be for uh, the Stamps and their O-line to get Sean McEwen back in the middle there, Matty? Incredibly huge. He's consistently the most outstanding offensive lineman nominee for this team since he's come over. And even when he wasn't part of this team, exactly what he was doing back as a member of the Toronto Argonauts and back when he was a member of the Dinos, it's also what he was doing. So he's an elite player in the middle. They were going with Rodian Brown, who was getting his very first CFL action ever. Anytime you can get McEwen back, that, that's really big for the team. Um, listen, they've, they've had issues on that line this season, protecting Jake, being able to get the run game going in different games. So getting your leader back, the de facto captain, that's huge for the club. Look, uh, we've talked about this team a lot offensively. I, I don't know that we need to dive more into what we've seen, but how important do you think, you, you mentioned a bit there about, you know, making sure that you end off the season on the right foot, even from a, a team perspective, but an individual perspective heading into the future of their careers. But how important is it, Maddie, that we do actually get to see some games down the stretch here potentially that mean something to this Stamps team? Because it really didn't look like for a lot of the year they were going to be in any of these situations. Well, yeah, it's it's a young team. It's a transition type of year. Anytime that you lose key players like they did, Jameer Thurman, Bull Levi Mitchell, the list goes on. Just a lot of veterans that have either been here for a long time or played well for a long time. Um, this, is, this is a big moment for them just to see what they're going to show the coaching staff, what the coaching staff is going to show them. Like, as much as, you know, this is a big game here tonight and this decides to play off hopes, I've kind of felt like for the last little bit, this is an audition for both the organization to show that, hey, we, we've got this thing together and we're going to be ready moving forward. And if you're a good player, we want to retain you. And if you're a good player, you're, you're one of the guys who's had a hard season, you've got to show that you still got it and you can still compete here. So. I think for the end of the season to, to mean games on top of that, that's obviously big because it, it doesn't feel so, I don't know, real life do or die, I guess. But that's going to be something that you always like to have if you're the head coach. And, and Dave Dickinson doing his first season as head coach and general manager, I'm sure that he's, you know, you want to have something to play for coming out of that last buy, right? Yeah. Like, like let's be serious. Starting a little cold up here. You know, end of the season can be in sight for some guys. If if you're already well out of it, that's not really where you want to be. Uh, we've obviously had the talk this year about this team coming out of bye weeks. It hasn't been uh, the usual team that we've seen. They used to be almost unbeatable, Maddie, for the first couple of years of Dickinson and Huffnagle uh, coming out of a bye. This team was as prepped and ready to go. Uh, they were off again last week. They got this window of opportunity thanks to the Ticats beating Sask. Would you, I'm assuming we'd love to see this team get back to some of that form where the bye week was a chance for them to, you know, physically get re-prepared for the next game, but also, you know, mentally set themselves up for a good game against Saskatchewan team that's come in losing five in a row, including last week. Yeah, the Stamps are, I think, one in three or one in four coming out of their last four or five buys. It hasn't been the success that we saw for years where, you know, I think they've won well over 15 in a row. Um for them to come out of the bye, being healthy, like you said, the energy seemed good. Um, Dave Dickinson talked a little bit about shaking off the rust on the Sunday, and then the Monday they had a, a good session, and they were kind of right back at it. Um, it. It's what you want to be able to come out of a bye and have success. For Dave Dickinson, of course, is going up against the Rough Riders. You've been able to beat them once. You have lost to them once. 
It was both pretty early in the season, and we've seen quite a bit of change for both these clubs all over the roster since. Um, I'm hoping that they can be out there and and have some great game planning from what they've seen from the Rough Riders over the last little bit, because like you mentioned, they haven't been able to get a win lately, but they can also understand that if you break that streak, the streak doesn't really matter. You still get into the third spot in the postseason. It was never really going to be anything different than that. So, yeah, it's it's a big game for both. And for the Stamps to get back to that success, coming out of a bye, that's exactly what you want for the team. And Dave Dickinson, and like, and it's exactly what I've talked about. It, it's kind of setting that tone for everybody and showing them that, yeah, this, this is how it is around here. This is how it's going to be around here. Uh, as a guy that, that watches the CFL and keeps up with it, how surprised are you that the Riders have found themselves in this spot? Well, not overly. Like, as soon as Trevor Harris went down, it was going to be uh, a little bit of a, a questionable grind there. Like, I, I wasn't sure the Rough Riders were going to be in this race, but then the Stampeders struggling as much as they have that allowed them to, you know, be right in the thick of it as a team that's you know, a few games below 500. So, um, definitely a little bit surprised that they're here. You know, like you look at their receivers, it's it's nothing to write home about. They, um, Jamal Morrow at tailback is a great ad, but their offensive line wasn't anything too crazy to me. They were having trouble protecting the quarterback earlier than they were running through quarterbacks. Like, yeah, it, I'm pretty surprised that they're here, but honestly, good on them for getting to the point that they are because you could almost argue that there's been a lot of moments that the Rough Riders have kind of been able to pull out of a win when they really maybe didn't deserve it or or didn't necessarily – got to take advantage of your opportunities, and maybe the Riders did that a couple times more this season stands. Uh, Riders, one of the worst teams when it comes to stopping the run this year. We know what uh, what the Stamps can do with Kadeem Carey when he's healthy and ready to go. You mentioned Peyton Logan's coming back. Uh, this is a guy that brings a lot of energy, a big passing game threat for the Calgary Stampeders. How much do you expect to see him get used tonight in this kind of game? I think Bain Logan will get a lot of work, especially as a, a return guy type of player. Um, they still have Floyd Allen on the roster. He does uh, some return work for the club as well, but that that probably be the place that Peyton Logan features the most. Um, him and Diedrich Mills are quite different. Diedrich is a, a big, stronger running back, run downhill, knock a few guys over and drag him for a couple of extra yards, where, like you mentioned, Peyton Logan's a guy that can be pretty dangerous when – you get him a little pass outside the tackles and he gets a block. That's a guy who can rip up field for 15, 20 yards. Or if he gets a hole up through the middle of an offense on a run, he can gash you for a big run there. So that's how Peyton Logan will affect the game. Um, I think it's an issue where uh, you you probably won't see him as much as Kadeem Carey. Like this is going to be a 15 to 20 touch game for Kadeem Carey, I would guess, in a do or die effort. You're going to want to give your best playmaker the ball as much as possible. And he can also take the ball by a pass out of the backfield. So I don't know how much you're going to see of Peyton Logan on the offense per se, maybe a nice switch up back when Kadeem's a little bit worn out, but that's probably going to be what you see from that. Uh, it was a bit of a weird schedule this year, Maddie. The two times the Stamps saw the Rough Riders this year were back in week three. And then in week six, both of those turned out, to be two-point victories for – excuse me, a three-point victory for Sask the first time, uh, a two-point victory for the Stamps in week six. That feels like, uh, you know, years ago at this point. It's only, I know it's only going back to, like, July, but 
Is there anything at this point later in the season that you take out of those games, or are we talking about completely different circumstances for both teams? Yeah, it's pretty different circumstances at this point. Like we talked about, there's been a lot of roster turnover, um, and I think both teams, you know, they've had a lot of buys since. They've had ups and downs since. Uh, so I, I'm not taking a whole lot out of that. You know, so much changes in season in the CFL, whether you have to change your scheme because of injuries, you have to adapt and overcome for sure week to week, just like the NFL dealing with big, serious injuries that lend your season, your player season type of thing. Um, so no, I, I don't really draw too much on those previous two games. I just think they were too far back and, You've got so much more to play for. You got so much more tape from recent games that I think would be a lot more relevant than some of the stuff you might have seen early on. What do you want to see more for the, the players? Yeah. Like right, like the, it's more like the rivalry players. You know, that's where I think if you're a player and you remember anything that happened in those games that maybe made you angry, that's what you draw on more so than um, the coaches being able to scheme from those games. What do you want to see from the the Stampeders tonight, uh, Maddie? I know we've talked about, you know, offensive consistency, all that sort of stuff. I don't know that any of that big picture stuff matters, but is there anything that you're looking for specifically out of this team to, in a big game, in a big moment that, you know, it still decides their playoff fate one way or another? Well, for a lot of these receivers, like if you could look at it one way or you could look at it the other, and one of the ways you could look at it today is that this is an opportunity. For a lot of the season, there was Malik Henry or there was Reggie Bagleton or the list goes on as far as receivers that this team is kind of lost. And now you've got guys like Cole Tucker, Luther Gunavano, and Trey Odoms-Dukes. You can go out and you can chill out and kind of make a point that there was something here for the group the whole time. Sure, may as well go out and do it. I think that would be my biggest thing is are any of the receivers going to be able to step up to the task and be able to help Jake Mayer out? Um, Jake's going to have to be good. He's going to have to be very accurate today, which I felt that sometimes this year hasn't necessarily been there. Um, the offensive line is going to have to protect him well as well. Against this Rough Riders team, they're going to be coming after him. But for me, as it has been for a lot of the season, um, a lot of this is going to come down to the offense. So, uh, I'm interested to see if any of the receivers can step up, create some separation, and, and give the Stamps a chance to go out and win this game. Uh, Matty, enjoy it. Uh, could be one of the, it is one of your final chances to see the Stampeders at home, maybe before the weather gets really cold. Hopefully, uh, big crowd out. McMahon should be a good one between the Stamps and the Riders. Appreciate it as always, pal. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. Take care, Matty Rose, joining us down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline, Stampeders reporter. Also, of course, the co-host of The Big Show with Ruskin Rose every Monday to Friday, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Week 19 of the CFL season kicks off tonight. I mentioned it's the BC Lions and the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Bull Levi Mitchell getting the start for Hamilton. Then it's 7.30 from McMahon, Riders and Stampeders. Saturday doubleheader sees the Elks hosting the Alouettes. At 2 o'clock, and then at 5 o'clock, it's another Battle of Ontario. The Red Blacks are in Toronto to take on the 13-2 and two Toronto Argonauts. This, look, as they said with Maddie, it's not ideal. It happens in smaller leagues. Um, it's hard to imagine that a team with four wins in Week 19 is still battling for playoff positioning, but they are. You kind of have to throw... All of that to the side if you're the Calgary Stampeders and 
just look at winning tonight keeps your playoff hopes alive and sends you to next week with a chance to continue holding your own fate. Is it a tough road to get there? They have to win out. Yes, that's that's what's going to have to happen. And uh, you've got BC next week. You've got Winnipeg in two weeks at home on Friday, October 27th. Um, those are going to be tough games to win. But you can only go off of what's been presented to you. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders have had lots of opportunities to close this door on the Stamps and secure third spot in the West. They haven't done it. The season series is still up for grabs. And for the Calgary Stampeders, Look, a couple of weeks ago, it probably would have been hard to motivate this group because it looked like the playoffs were such an outside shot. You went into last week on your bye week, watching closely, of course, the Ticats and the Rough Riders, and the door's been open for you. Let's see some urgency out of this group tonight. Let's see some of the, the juice that maybe this team has missed throughout the season. I'm really interested to see who wants to end off this season for the Calgary Stampeders on a positive note and Look, maybe they don't wind up getting there when it's all said and done, but make it interesting. Pick up a win tonight. Make that game against BC next week mean a little bit more for your group and give you something to play for down the stretch. Yes, they're professionals. Yes, there's pride on the line. All of that's that's fun to talk about and great from a, a talk perspective, but let's be honest. These teams and these guys want to be out there playing to win and to have something on the line. It's hard to do that when you're eliminated from the playoffs with a month left to go. The Stampeders have had a lot of luck fall their way uh, in the sense that, like I mentioned, the Riders haven't put this thing away yet. But now it's kind of like, okay, ball's back in your court, Calgary. What are you going to do with it when it's all said and done? Are you going to, to just bow out in the night like you have so many times this year? Or are you going to make this interesting? I think the Riders are just as vulnerable as the Stampeders are at some points. Uh, there's no reason Calgary can't win this game tonight. It's going to be tough. Reggie Bagleton is a massive loss for this team. There's no other way to put that. He is their most consistent receiver. As far as yards after the catch go, he's imp- incredibly huge for this team. And he's kind of been Jake Mayer's one solid option all season long, whether it's been injuries or just in that key moment where sometimes it feels like Jake hasn't known where to go at times. When he has found somebody, it's been Reggie Bagleton, and there's no there's no replacing that. This team is so far down the injury road that you know healthy bodies and guys that understand the offense is probably the minimum you can expect at this time of year. There isn't a game-breaker just waiting on the sidelines ready to come in. This team doesn't have that. I mean, if they did, it was... You know, they were off to a bad start with Philpot being hurt before the season started. Malik Henry losing him early on in the season. Those sort of things go away when the list of guys in the six-game-plus injured list goes to 9, 10, 11. doesn't matter what position. So somebody's got to step up, whether it's, you know, uh, a Luther Hukanavanu for the Stampeders who steps up. Maybe it is a guy like Kadeem Carey who we know can be a game-breaker uh, for this Calgary Stampeders team. Maybe it's his turn to really take the offense and say, hey, look, this is this is the game that I'm going to provide for you guys. Let's go out and, and give ourselves a chance at a playoff spot here. Anything can happen. We'll see what happens tonight. 7.30 again for the Calgary Stampeders and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Looks like it's going to be a little bit of a cooler one, but get your jacket on. Head out to McMahon Stadium if you haven't already. Check out uh, stampeders.com or Ticketmaster. 
and uh, head out for one of the last home games of the season for the Calgary Stampeders. Always fun when the Riders come to town and there's lots on the line tonight between these two teams. We're wrapping things up here on Sportsnet today. Uh, it's a Friday edition of the program. No Calgary Flames hockey today. They're on their way to Pittsburgh. Getting set to take on the Penguins again. Uh, first of five on the road for the Calgary Flames. Starts on Saturday night. Hockey night in Canada. The early game against Sidney Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Pat Steinberg's got your Flames pregame show at 4 p.m. That's going to be the name of the game uh, for the first four games on this road trip. Uh, in Washington, in Buffalo, in Columbus. 4 o'clock. Steinberg's on the air, getting you set for the game of the day. Uh, and, of course, then 5 o'clock, Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson on the call right here in your home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960. The, fan. the only game that will not be at 5 o'clock, that Detroit game on the 22nd, is a 3 p.m. start, Calgary time. So 2 o'clock, Pat Steinberg will have your Flames warm-up uh, and pregame show ready to go before two home games after that. And then before you know it, uh, off to Edmonton for the Heritage Classic outdoors at the end of the month. We're not all that far away from it. Uh, seven games to go for the Flames, who, of course, started things off in style with a win against the Winnipeg Jets on Wednesday. Uh, we'll get your lines, deep pairings, and more from Morning Skate when they hit the ice on Saturday. A uh, quick thank you to our guests today, Matt Marchese and Matty Rose, for joining us. If you missed any of the conversations we had on the show today, you can hit us up on the podcast, Google, Amazon, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcast. Thank you for listening, whether live or on the podcast. We really do appreciate it. Thank you, of course, to my outstanding producers, Cam and Taylor, for their great work all week long. Enjoy the weekend. CFL football tonight. Stampeders Riders. you got the Flames coming up on Saturday night, and then an NFL slate of games on Sunday. Should be a great weekend. Can't wait to dive into all of it with you on a Monday. That's when Sportsnet Today is back here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.